Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. I'm your host, the Soul Man, Brian Solak. We are joined by that damn dirty duck, Matthew Page. How the hell are you? Hey, hey, hey. Doing pretty good, but we're uh, really excited about having our, um, our guest or our, our sometimes host, uh, Rich Michelson back. Uh, Rich, I'm oh, sorry, the Ram, I, I guess is what uh, Abe, Abe likes to introduce you as. Um, I'm sure there's a story there. Uh, <laughs> um yeah i mean it, it, my initials are ram and yeah. um i i i went to ingram high school the home of the rams so all right all right that, that, so it's that lazy okay it's right. pretty lazy yeah okay that sounds like a ram um, i'm i'm know. the guy that um everyone tried to give a, a different nickname to uh you know over a 20-year period of time and the only one that's stuck is rich so um Hopefully they weren't jerk. They weren't jerks and gave you jerk face. Yeah. Oh no. (laughs) I know. Heaven forbid someone call me a jerk face. Anyway, good to see you guys. How you doing? How you too? (laughs) I'm giving the finger to all those assholes who give you shit. Sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) By the way, before we get going, you hosted our podcast a few weeks ago with james donaldson that was amazing so props to you. oh yeah that was that was an amazing interview like honestly i was i was kind of floored with how how great of a of an interview he was and um i was very surprised the tangents that we went down with uh, regarding mental health and and um you know sports and everything else so that that was um that was really cool. He what a great guy. What a great guy. Absolutely. Very, very great guy. Hopefully we can meet him in person one day. Um, I want we're gonna start out with talking about the Sounders, obviously, because you're our expert and you're one of the best. Ooh, I, I can I can I start with the first question? Yeah, please go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So so I'm looking at the table right now and they're number seven. Should I be worried? I mean, come on. No, it's the Sounders. You should, you Why should are not they be worried. It's they're the Sounders. Um I didn't Over know we could count week. as high as seven. They should be. They should yeah. be in a lower number, which means higher. They should the be table. a lower number. Um, but you see, uh, they went out and two months ago they won the most coveted piece of hardware in North America, at least from a uh, Canada and United States perspective for for professional soccer. They are the reigning champions of the Concacaf Champions League. Uh, they will be going to the next edition of the Club World Cup. They will be playing against T uh, Chelsea, um, who who is the current European champion. They'll be playing against the African and Asian champions. Who I I'll be honest, I just don't know who that is. Um, but they all those teams will get together in, in presumably in Japan in the winter, and uh, they will have a a very small tournament. And it is a, an experience the the Sounders have been coveting and chasing for the last 13 years since they were reformed into Major League Soccer. Um, on that topic, go do yourself a favor. Go on Twitter or go on to YouTube and look up the Sounders uh, page. And there is a video. It's um, seven minutes and 36 seconds. And if you have the least bit of Washington or Seattle sports fan in you and you don't get chills and just are juiced, you are not a a living human being. It is an amazing (laughs) video. Um, The Sounders media team knocked it out of the park. Obviously, the the guys on the pitch knocked it out of the park, um, you know, winning winning the, the trophy. 
Um, but you know, there's always a cost when you when you put in an effort like the Sounders did this year. They played eight extra matches early mm-hmm. in the season. Um, it basically, uh, from when so, their season started in February until um, May the fifth. Um, so, when the, uh, is there the seven, final is leg there, of the championship was? Is their position in seventh right now a result of uh, of yes. that? It, like, yes. like I've been complaining in the past that we've been tiring, tucking our tuckering ourselves out. You know. Yep. Um, I guess you know this time obviously it was worth it. Uh, I can't yeah, really when argue. You, when you win <laughs> hardware, when you win silverware that you never ever have to give back, that's pretty awesome. And um, uh, on on Saturday, uh, in two days, they're going to play. They're going to host the uh, the Portland Timbers, their biggest rival, yeah. and they will unveil the championship banner at Lumen Field um, against uh, against the Timbers. They're also going to wear a commemorative patch on their uniforms. Um, and I think that's um, that's intentional. Uh, I think they chose yeah. that date intentionally. Yeah, yeah, they did. So here's <laughs> the thing. Um. After starting off terrible and at one point being in dead last place in the Western Conference, the Sounders have jumped up to seventh. Over their last nine matches, they are six, uh, six, one, and two. Um, and I mean that's a that's an incredibly high level pace. Um, you know, for for things, um, you know they have they've had a couple of injuries the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz is uh, their, their starting striker. They're one of their biggest players, two, two most important players, uh, maybe. And uh, he's down with a little bit of a, a hamstring. Um, he should be back um, probably not this week, but uh, possibly for the, the, the match afterwards. Um, they lost Jao Paulo, their uh, amazing do-everything uh, defensive midfielder. Um, he had a, a an ACL. Uh, he blew out his ACL in um, the final leg. So basically, the the home the home uh, match against um, uh, in the in, in the Champions League uh, final. So uh, that was bad, yeah. <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, since last year, he was their team MVP, and um, you know, w- with that being said. Um, you know, they, they've, they've really had some, some great people step up. Um, they have this kid who's 16 years old, um, Vargas. He's actually from Anchorage, Alaska. We recruited him as a youngster. He came and lived um, at our, uh, with a host family, uh, attended our academy. And as 16-year-old, he has made himself a regular in fact, um, he was the starting defensive midfielder replacing Jao Paulo, who, by the way, is 30 and a, like a 15-year vet- professional veteran. So, um, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, uh, um, uh, you know, the <laughs> that's pretty dang good. He's been, um, he's been instrumental and, and really good. But the problem is he actually um, got a stress fracture in his spine. Oh, ouch. So he's wow. out um, for a couple of months while that heals. Okay. Um, now bringing in guys that young and having them start, mm-hmm. it, that, that's something that's a lot more common around the world, right? It's it, mm-hmm. like in the MLS, it's, that's yeah. not really that common. 
that is not that common, but is becoming more and more common. So, um, uh, Obed so Vargas. So it shows is, that we're, we're we're able to we're able to you know we're able to develop talent some, some talent. Yes, we're able to bring in some youngsters. So I want to just I want to I want to uh, make a call out to the to the youth kind of drive that the Sounders. The Sounders have always been known as a veteran team, but right now this season it's actually the youngsters that are making key contributions all over the place. Obed Vargas um, has started a whole bunch of games um, as a 16 year old. Um, Last uh, Saturday, the Sounders went to Toronto, one of their, their, their Eastern conference rivals and uh, Toronto right now is led by uh, uh, Michael Bradley. Um, His father Bob Bradley, who's been the United States men's national team coach, and he was LAFC's head coach for a while. He's now in charge of Toronto. And we went there and we won uh, two to nothing. Nice. And one of the goals was by uh, a kid named Dylan Tevez, number 99. He uh, is from the University of Washington, came up in the Sounders Academy, and then uh, joined them on a homegrown, homegrown contract. He hasn't played a whole much, but he scored a beautiful goal um showed he was a really smart player he's he's played a little bit jackson reagan was a draft pick um he's at the very bottom of the, of the roster like literally he's in one of the slots uh no, slots number 25 through 28 they're actually numbered <laughs> yeah. and so he's down there and he <clears throat> has actually become a really really good defender not just like good as a sub but as in he's on the field i trust that he is going to hold down the defense and do a really good job now he's still a rookie professional he, he was in college player last year but he um he's a very talented um defender and the sounders coaching staff as well as the front office off the record have told several of the sounders beat reporters that he is their best defender wow better than ariaga better <laughs> than uh yamar uh, gomez andrade oh, as wow. in like this is the guy they're going to build the defense around for the next five to 10 years. Okay. He's that good. And, and, um, you know, just kind of continue the, the, the youth push, uh, Danny Leva, um, who also came up through the Academy. He's continued to, to, um, improve. He's been getting some regular playing time. Uh, Ethan Dobelair, um, uh, AB Sissoko, um, also, um, are guys that have come up through, um, Tacoma Defiance, which is the the second team for the Sounders. And why that's so critical is it's you get these kids who are not signed to first team professional contracts, but because they're in the academy, they can play at a professional level. Um, This year they're playing in a in a in a league called MLS Next, which is basically the MLS's um, second team league. And so they get regular playing time against kids that are their own age. So think like getting to play those, you know, those double a games in, in baseball, right? Like yeah. the high double a is really where you get to see if you're good enough to go to the majors, right? Cause you're going against all the other teams, top, top, top talent. Right. Yep. And uh, whereas, you know, triple a these days uh, in, in minor league baseball is often where you go to, to polish up your skills before you go to the majors or you're stuck there because you're a quad a player and not good enough for the majors, but, too good for the minors right yep. you can't quite make yeah. that jump right um so this this is really a uh just a a really great opportunity for these kids that they get all these these professional games 
and they don't just sit and rot on the bench on a senior roster somewhere. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like the 25th guy on the, on the major league roster that never gets on the field, never does anything. Right. It is always very rusty. Right. So these guys get regular games um, all the time. And so they get to keep their skills and they can improve. Um, and so that, that, uh, they, they're able to contribute. Um, in fact, I'm just glancing at the roster here for the Sounders. Um, other than the third string goalkeeper, um, Andrew Thomas, I believe every single player has um, played. Um, and I think actually every single player has started at least one game except for Alfonso Ocampo Chavez. <laughs> So out of 28 guys on the roster, two guys haven't started a game. Wow. So um, the Sounders, um, in spite of having this very good, deep veteran roster, are actually going very, very deep. Um, One other thing to to note is that they they actually instituted a set of protocols last year um, to try to prevent injuries. And so part of what that's done is it's, it gives them warnings that like, you know, Albert Rusnak needs to rest a match, take a match off. He's got too much of a workload on his body and it's likely that he's going to suffer an injury if this continues. Oh, so they're um, getting and, some, some biometrics and, and like, yeah, exactly. Metrics so, equivalents mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, the Sounders uh, have actually led uh, Major League Soccer in the data analytics um, from uh, from the biometric perspective for a number sense, of years. Because you you know they track how how far these guys run and how many steps and all that. So it makes yeah, they, sense they, to me. You know, you could you could go okay, this guy's run fifty miles in the last you know six matches or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a day off. You know? Yeah, exactly. So this this match when they went to Toronto actually. Um, they um they had a whole bunch of guys that normally would be starting normally be with them but they left back in seattle and so it was it was really like the the not quite the second team but it was like the the one and a half team that went to toronto and won um you know uh so uh, i'm actually just pulling up the the match report here maybe why why, i mean sorry to interject but why is that i mean how how many players do you have to have to play a game um you typically a a a full bench is uh is 18 players okay so 11 starters and then uh seven reserves you're allowed to have a little bit more now because there's um some protocols in place for concussion injuries um and a couple of other type things okay um and the Sounders had a little bit shorter bench than um, than Toronto did, uh, but yeah, there was no, um, you know, Rui Diaz is injured, but also, uh, you know, Nicholas uh, Ladera was the only like um, big offensive player that was there. Uh, Jordan Morris stayed at home. Uh, wow. Albert Rusnak stayed at home. Um, there's one other. Oh, Ariaga had a little bit of a of a of a, a you know a knock a tweak on his leg, and so he stayed at home. So there were there they were able to rest like four or five guys that normally start for them, and um, yeah, it was a great it, you know it was a great thing because uh, a bunch of other guys got uh, some really good moments. Um, there's this player that's kind of a project that the Sounders have. His name's Leo Chu. He plays the same position as Jordan Morris. Poor guy. 
a left left midfielder left wing and um he's got lots of moves really uh w- w- when he shows it he's got these flashes of being a brilliant player but um to get on the field with the sounders you have to play defense you have to track back you have to do your running you have to be in the right position and if you don't and won't or won't brian schmetzer's gonna sit you deep off of the bench like you're not even gonna make match day rosters and that's basically what's happened to this kid the last year and um he's finally started to be more regularly in the reserves and then make these spot starts and he made this beautiful move it was actually from jackson reagan the center back i was talking about yeah he looked over saw that leo chu was wide open on the wing hit this big cross field switch pass like 50 yards in the air Chu pulls it down, makes a move on his guy, goes all the way down to the end line, crosses it. And Dylan Tevez, the kid I told you that scored the goal, mm-hmm. he is the right winger. And he had started that whole move on the right sideline. Wow. And he ends up to the left of the post. So oh, wow. he's wow. on the near side post. So he comes from the far side on the, touch line and the far sideline all the way 40 yards all the way across oh. and actually gets on the other side of the of the near post and like does this really quick uh slick redirection in but like he kept running basically he kept on doing mm-hmm. his job and working and that is like the if you want to ask what the sounders philosophy or ethos is of the team it, it is they will do the work they are a gritty team they are never going to give up um, if you give up, you will not f- be on the on the field the next match. Like that is, you will have your butt sat down so fast by Schmetzer. <laughs> he does not tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you have to come out because you are gassed, he is fine with that. He wants you coming out because you're gassed, right? Yeah. If you if he if you're cramping up and you're out of subs and you guys and, and the Sounders lose a match because you're cramping up because you're out of subs and you 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 just can't go, that's fine. Like you did yeah. your job, right? <laughs> he, but he he's not put up with this like um n- like not trying hard, not doing your job. Um you know, uh, you know, even mental mistakes are, are, are okay. Cause they happen, but it's the effort. Like he always okay. wants the guys to give the effort. And yep. so, um, uh, these guys are, are really doing it. They are going to continue to rise up the standings. It is, um, it is going to happen. It is, it is, um, and, and, and the Sounders, you know, at the beginning of the season, the Sounders were, um, were picked by everyone as, as major league soccer, uh, you know, favorites to win the MLS cup and nothing has changed in that estimation, except that where they are in the standings, the talent is all there. Like, I, I guess, um, uh, you know, uh, Jao Paulo being out for the season hurts them significantly, yeah. but, but I mean, they still won a championship without him. They're still well within the playoff hunt. And they've looked really good. Yeah, I'm looking at the table, and yeah, I mean, like one win and things break their way. I mean, there's no, there's no space at all between no seventh no, and third. I mean, they would. Yeah, just, it's they it's a really just, it's really tight know. right there, and um, they can be third tomorrow. You know, tomorrow. I mean, the Sounders had a five game home stretch that they just finished off, and. Um, 
what's great about that is that um, they, they went three, three, one and one. And you might go, well, you know, you shouldn't lose at home. Right. But they lost by one goal at home, two to one against a team that with that win went to the top of the Eastern conference, Montreal. Okay. So, and if you look at their losses, they have a bunch of losses, a lot more than you would like, but all of their losses have been by one goal. They have not been blown out at all the entire season. Like no one has just ever been able to just take it to the Sounders and, and, and put together even a, a two goal victory, um, you know, or, or any sort of comprehensive victory. Um, each of the Sounders losses, the basically I went back and looked at the match day reports in preparation for tonight and, uh, the commentary on a regular basis throughout each of those match reports was the Sounders had their chances and were really the better team on the night and should have won. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, the, there's a, um, there's a, uh, a fun thing that happens when uh, you have the most, you know, the most talent or amongst the most talent and um you know, you're in playoff contention halfway through the season after having gone and done something that no one else has gone and done. And um, I mean, here, here, here's some other statistics just on, on, on the side note. Um, uh, goal differential basically is the difference between the goals you score versus the goals you give up. Yeah. The Sounders are in the Western Conference uh, tied for third with a plus seven. Okay. The two, team, two teams that have been excellent this year in the, in the Western Conference are Austin with a plus 13. And uh, LAFC with a plus 16. Um, and LAFC really has been quite excellent. Um, and the Eastern Conference, uh, New York City is really the only uh, standout there. Uh, New York City, Philadelphia, and, and New York. So they have 14, 9, and 9. So the Sounders are, are, are in good position. And um, usually what happens is that if you look at the final standings, almost always it's basically a chronological um, you know, stacking of, you know, the team with the best goal differential is usually at the top of the table and they usually stack down. It's kind of like baseball with the, you know, the run differential, you know, the, Fun whatever the Pythagorean, Pythagorean theorem for baseball or whatever it is called. Yep. yep. Um, more or less, you know, yeah, you, it usually works that way, but sometimes there's outliers, but yeah, I mean, there's always usually. outliers I and mean, every season there's usually one or two in, in major league soccer, but in general, you know, the Sounders have, um, you know, I'm just looking here. They have the best defense in the Western Conference. 19 goals given up. Uh, second, they're tied, by the way, with a couple of other teams. And the third best defense overall. Uh, Philadelphia has really been outstanding with the third only 13 goals given up so uh, oh yeah, um, I got, I, sorry to interrupt but i gotta ask yeah. you you talked about portland this saturday which is yeah. a, one of our rivals why or why will the centers beat them this week i mean portland seems to have our number the last couple of years you know th- it's been the weirdest thing um i don't remember how far back this goes but uh, i think it goes back to 2016 actually that um since then the sounders um i think have won something like uh, five out of six in Portland and Portland has won something like four out of seven in Seattle. And I think they've won like four in a row in Seattle. Yep. So it's been the weirdest thing where basically neither team can win at home. 
Mm. Uh, and that's, that's a sign of a, you know, a true rivalry um, there. It, it's, it's a game that is special. The records don't matter. With that being said, Portland is just not a very good team this year. Yeah. They have lots of talent, but it's, it's in the wrong places. Um, their front office is a mess. They've had, uh, so w- w- lots of people might not know, but the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns have the same front office structure. They are owned by the same ownership group and share back offices, front offices, et cetera. There are people that have multi, like have dual roles with both organizations. Mm-hmm. And there was a series of uh, sexual harassment and other uh, sexual assault wow. scandals mm-hmm. for um, uh, a former head coach from the Thorns. And there are horrible stories of him uh, grooming and manipulating and abusing uh, his players. Like there's, there's one in particular, I remember reading her story and she's like, I knew he was going to draft me because I was his player in college and I had been his player at this other team. And, and then I knew he was going to abuse me basically. It was, it, wow. it was just a horrible, horrible situation. And the owner has not been taken to task, has not been held accountable. The, the senior leadership within that organization is not. And at some point, stuff like that trickles down. Bleeds over to the, the other side of the, of the office. Yeah, yeah you, you saw it a couple of years ago with uh, Real Salt Lake, with RSL, mm-hmm. um, with their owner just being like having all these um, racist and other sexist uh you know, things happening with him towards his employees and, and, and the players and um, basically the rot that happened within that organization until he was kicked out. And now they have a new, um, uh, you know, a a new situation. It's a similar thing. Portland has a lot of flash, but um, they're, they're kind of like a, they're driving for show, but they can't putt for dough. That's basically them the last few years. Okay. Okay. Um, one last question about our beloved Sounders. I, yeah, I, I thought about, it. I, I want to, I picked a particular player. I want to get your thoughts on him. Nicholas Ladero. He seems to have a great season, eight goals, seven assists. I mean, he seems like he's a great passer. He's great on defense. I mean, tell us, tell us, tell our fans about him. So N- Nicholas Ladero is the transformative player for the Sounders. Okay. Okay. Um, there is basically when the history of the Sounders is written, um, let's say 10 years from now, right? Mm-hmm. There is going to be a, uh, it's going to be divided into two, basically two eras uh, before Nicholas and after Nicholas. Okay. okay. The guy is going to have a statue at wow. Lumen Field. Wow. Okay. Okay. This, this, this guy is, uh, uh, I'm trying to think about how important this, this guy is Ken Griffey jr. To the Sounders. Okay. okay. This guy is Cortez Kennedy, Steve Largent and Russell Wilson all rolled into one. Okay. Wow. He is the most influential and important soccer player from an offensive perspective in the team's history. He has been the captain um, that has won um he was the captain for their most recent major uh, MLS cup victory. He was the captain of this champion, uh, the CCL run. Mm-hmm. He's worn the captain's armband to the other two teams that lost in MLS cup finals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when he came on board in July of 2016, the Sounders were in last place. 
And there is a show um, that Major League Soccer does called, um, ML, it's called Extra Time Radio. Okay, and one of, the, one of the hosts on there said, his name is Ben Bear, and he had a, a segment called of the, the Barantees. And he said, I <laughs> guarantee you the Sounders will not make the playoffs. Okay. okay. And that quote went up on the bulletin board, okay, that year. And the Sounders did make the playoffs. They did win major, you know, they, they did, they, they made the playoffs. They knocked out Kansas city, who was one of their big rivals. Mm. And then they went on and, and, and won it all on penalty kicks and, Tor- you know, frozen night in Toronto and Nicholas Ladero uh, in that penalty kick shootout um, went number five, which is typically the, the highest pressure situation because the odds are, if you are number five and it makes that long, you have a good chance of either winning or losing the match for yourself. Okay. okay. Yep. And, uh, and let me just explain this guy. This guy steps up, takes a breath and just goes. Okay. And he put it in the upper right corner. So he's left footed. So he's, he's kicking it, curving it. The mm-hmm. goalie dives that way. He knows where the ball is going, but he put it basically in a, a spot where there was maybe three inches around the ball into the corner. Okay. Oh my god! He didn't just, you know, gently hit it into the corner. He laced it. Okay. Basically he was going to hit that spot or he was going to kick it into the stands. Yeah. Okay. So the guy has cojones. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know how big. Okay. Okay. This guy is a big, big time player. Okay. This is, this guy is, this guy has ice in his, this is Edgar Martinez um, against the Yankees in the bottom of the 12th inning to win, win a series. Okay. That is like, yeah. Yeah. You know, that is the faith (laughs) that, that the Sounders fans should have for him. Um, and here's the other thing. He, he is the perfect Brian Schmetzer guy. Remember how I said, like, Schmetzer wants you to run and run and run and run and go and go and go. This yep. guy is an energizer bunny. Mm-hmm. He is not a great defensive player, but he is an annoying defensive player because he's always on you. He's always running. And he is just beautiful to watch. Here's the other thing is he never gives up on plays. And because of that, he gets himself into moments where he can then hit that pass of mat- pure magic where, like, the ball seems to have eyes and goes zoom, 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 zoom. And then all of a sudden <laughs> the other guy's just like jogging along and goes boop. And you're like, wow, that was a super easy goal. But the pass to like get him into that easy goal is, 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 is the thing. So anyway, um, I went a little bit long there, guys. No, Sorry. you're good. <laughs> no, that's freaking awesome. And someone needs to freaking get you on as an analyst. Uh-huh. Dude, you're amazing at your, your knowledge about the sounders. Seriously. <sighs> Uh, hey, how like about uh, how about them huskies <laughs> and ducks? Uh huh. Yeah. And- so we're gonna move on now and obviously <laughs> chat about uh, the seismic shifts to the college football and college overall college sports landscape. This is not just football. We have to remember that. I know we 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 like to and and football is the big budget, big money maker, but it, you know it affects the, all sports. Uh, with with uh, USC and UCLA bailing, and I, I saw some rumors about UCLA was apparently really hurting financially and looking to pull the plug on the Pac-12 anyway soon, no matter what. So it was if they couldn't go to the big, big 10, they probably would have looked for the Big 12 maybe or something like that. Or the ACC oh, wow. maybe. Or the ACC or somebody. They, they, were, they were not making financially work in the Pac-12. 
uh, our media, the media deal in the Pac-12, I guess, just was is not that great. And oh no, I mean, can, it was yeah. fine. What? When was it that the, it became the Pac-12? Fifteen years ago? Yeah. Well, Larry Scott set up. Larry Scott, the commissioner of the league, uh, set up the Pac-12 network and and the media deal and all that, and never signed deals with like direct TV and a lot of the other carriers out there. So there, there are a lot of different, there are a lot of different cable packages and, and places where you can't even watch the pack 12 while Still. being right, you know, a block away from the pack 12 schools, you know? Right. Right. So, <clears throat> uh, I don't think there's been any, any other big moves, but there's been a lot of rumors flying, uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think is, as far as the future of the Pac-12 holds. Let's start with it. you, Brian. I I think the Pac-12 is going to go to shit here soon. And I mean, losing our two, two of our biggest teams, uh, UCLA and USC. I mean, I, I don't see much of a future for the Pac-12. I mean, they may uh, honestly think they're going to dissolve it within the next five years. That's my, my thought my current thoughts and i hate to see that happen but it, it is what it is <clears throat> rich i mean i think the pac-12 is on shaky footing um from a football perspective um i mean every other sport the pac-12 is is the dominant conference it is the yep. conference of champions for a reason um it is the oldest continuous conference and um you know one of the two founding conferences or actually the the founding conference as far as being associated with rose bowl um and i think that ucla and usc are going to regret going to the big 10 um really absolutely have you um, seen? You, the, I mean, this is not the question you asked, but when, when when you're ready for this, I'm 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 ready to go off. Well, I was going to say, have you seen? <laughs> have you seen the size of the potential media deal that they're going to get every oh, year? Oh yeah, I, I I don't care what the size the media deal is. That's not why they're going to regret this deal. Go from thirty million a year maximum to about a hundred million a year. Yeah, I don't care what the money is. Here, I'll tell you but, why. But see, that's what they're why they're doing it is for the money. Oh, well, I no no I understand, but they think. <laughs> The, the presidents and the athletic directors and the boosters, I think it's the boosters as, as much oh, yeah. as anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Think that they are going to go to the Big Ten and they are going to compete with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin and whoever else. There's always another like up and coming Big Ten team that yep. kind of rotates. Northwestern up. comes out of nowhere for a couple yeah, of years. Michigan, for Michigan few State, years. Penn, Iowa State. for a few years, Purdue for a few years, yeah. Indiana even was good for for a bit of time. Yeah, right? they had an amazing running game like two or <laughs> three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. First off, this is a horrible decision for all of your other sports. Mm-hmm. Dreadful decision. Travel time is going to be an issue. The, yep. It, it, it is making a farce of them being uh, students. Well, with, you I'll just argue, give a, I'll just give a quick example. Well, I was going to say you could argue with the NIL. You're they're already they're dropping that pretense already. No, 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 not not that. But like the fact that they have to be enrolled in college yeah. to be playing for these teams. Yeah. The, the, presumably, most of the athletes, not 
football, not basketball, but, yeah. and maybe some in the baseball, right. But every other sport, there's like 5,000 other athletes, right. Yeah. I don't yep. know. I, I'm making that number up. Okay. There's at least a thousand other athletes besides the revenue sports. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Presumably most of those kids um, are doing sports because they like it. They're getting some sort of scholarship, right? Yep. And they want to get an education. That is why they are attending college. Yeah. Yep. To, okay. In Pac-10 basket, Pac-12 basketball right now, it's very simple. When you go on the road, you go to one state. Yeah. The exception is Utah and Colorado. But you go to one state. You, go, you fly to Arizona. And on Thursday, you play in Phoenix. And on uh, Saturday, you play in Tucson. Yep. And then you go home. It's an hour and a half drive down the right. freeway, and, and there I mean, you go. Well, I mean, it's 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 all it's all scheduled out. Yeah, it's all right? it's one loop. Yeah, it's one loop, and there's two teams that go to Arizona every week uh, on that weekend, right? And both mm-hmm. Arizona teams have uh, a two game homestand, right? Yeah, and then you switch, and the next week you are, um, you are at home, and you know, presumably at home, and doing doing the opposite, right? Hosting, okay. And, and here's the thing is that other than the trip to Utah and Colorado, it's all in the Western time zone. Well, I guess Arizona is kind of weird time zone, Arizona, but, but it's all very close. The longest flight is from Colorado to Seattle. It's like two and a half, two, four, two hours, 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's the longest flight. That's, I mean, that's, it's, it's a contiguous conference. Mm-hmm. The shortest flight to the big 10 is going to be Colorado from, to from no from the shortest for USC. flight right now with with UCLA and USC is to Nebraska. Yeah, that is a four hour flight. That ain't short shit. Yeah, the longest flight sense, is yeah. going to be to New Jersey. Uh, the Rutgers, yeah, the Rutgers. Yeah, and you're gonna do this to your Olympic athletes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's swimmers? the thing, you know, like, I mean, you think about the down, the other sports and, and, you know, they're doing this for the revenue for the, for the, for the media deals and so forth. And some of those other school, some of those other sports, they wouldn't survive without that football revenue or that basketball mm-hmm. revenue, et cetera. Yep. I mean, like, for example, when I think of UW and I think of the down, the down, the other, the, 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 the sports that you don't normally think about, I think of crew, crew, they have a world-class crew team at UW they literally it is one of the best in the in the world right. and they consistently are, are amazing they've won world championships they are they are wonderful they don't make any money you know they don't make this cool any money no one remembers the them. Past no, one, no one barely notices them but now they're gonna have to travel now they have to travel all the way to Rutgers yeah it's stupid. and they're gonna yeah and like you said these are probably these are predominantly guys that are going to school men and women who are going to school uh on a scholarship get focused on school you know the football players and the basketball players maybe are focusing on maybe going to the nfl or the nba but right yeah and i I mean i get it there's like zoom and there's like online class stuff but i mean like it's not it's not it's not the same right nope um it's it's going to hurt it's going to hurt the west coast teams here's the other thing is that the big 10 teams are going to hate going to la 
Why do you say that? Because no East Coast or Central Time Zone team likes going to the West Coast. They hate it. They lose. They lose at an exorbitantly high rate. Yeah. Not it's not the same as the West Coast teams going east. Remember, there's way more teams on the eastern time zone and the central time zone than there is on the West Coast. So all the big teams from the West Coast are used to more used to going east. Okay. Yep. USC and UCLA are gonna have presumably have half of their conference games in either the central or the eastern time zone. They're gonna get more used to it. Yeah. Whereas you're only gonna be going west once a year. Okay, yep. and you are going to lose not because USC and UCLA are any good, which they might not be any good, but because you're going to be jet lagged up the wazoo <laughs> coming well, to the West Coast. Also, excellent point. Think about it. They're, they're college. They're, these are college students. It, you know, think about football. If if you are they can't schedule a loop to California and then come back. Yeah, because there's a whole week between there's the game, and you got to go week. back and you got to go to class. Yeah, right. Good point. So Here's you know, you fly in to LA and go play the go play the Bruins. What what time you do fly you want to watch? Home. If you're if you're programmer, a program director at yeah. ABC, what time do you want the USC Michigan game? Oh, you I want the one o'clock or the five o'clock? One o- yeah. The one o'clock Pacific time slot, which is four o'clock Eastern which is the best time slot, oh, right? Or maybe, maybe the 3.30 time slot, right? 3.34, yeah. Five, yeah, the 5.30, you know, time slot on the East Coast, right? So you're, you're going to so you, fly your guys out there on a Friday or a Thursday? I just, I mean, I just flew to Hawaii um, two months ago for a vacation. I'm not trying to do anything athletic. I was jet lagged <laughs> two and a half days. Yeah. Okay. No, that's only a what, three you, hour difference 40s, on, on, on someone who's not, you know, t- going to have to try to compete in anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just there to have a good time and relax, go to the beach a few times. Right. Like yep. going to the beach, just... tuckered you out. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, here's, here's the other thing. Here, here's the other thing that I don't think that USC and UCLA have taken into account. They hate everyone coming to Southern California recruiting their guys, right? They hate it. They've well, hated that's the it whole for appeal years. for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Well, right. So hold on. Right now, who has a pipeline to Southern California? Which schools? All of the Pac-10, all yeah. the Pac-12, right? Yep. Yep. Mountain West. Yeah. Yep. WAC. Yep. Well, and then a smattering of other teams. Yeah. WCC, right? BYU, um, maybe maybe uh, Colorado, like maybe a couple of teams in the Big Twelve, maybe, but they don't really have a real pipeline. Okay? There's a few, yeah, there's a few, but there's a few like you know uh, transcendent programs that are the oh, exceptions. Sure. You know, but Alabama but calls like, you, you, even, you answer. <laughs> even Alabama and Texas don't have a pipeline. What I no, mean is no. a regular. No movement of kids from Southern California to their program. They don't have the ability to have guys at every high school football game right. in LA. Right. Like of course not. USC does. So now you're going to open up LA to the big 10. You're going to let Michigan and Ohio state and Penn state and Wisconsin and all those guys have a regular 
every year visit to Southern California that they yep. can get all of their prospective recruits to come. Hey, come watch us kick the crap out of UCLA and USC. Yep. Because and they both will. schools have sucked in general yep. over the past decade at football, right? Well, yep. Yeah. So now it, you're it, not it, only going to have. Okay, so like they're mad right now. USC especially is mad that Oregon's kicking the crap out of them and recruiting because of a Phil Knight's money, but also because Oregon's been the dominant program over the last 25 <laughs> years. I hate to say it, boo, goes to your ducks, but they have <laughs> since the interception in '94 uh, at Oregon when Washington blew it. Okay, <laughs> Oregon me, has yeah. been the what I'll call the hegemon in in Ugh. in the pac 12 basically if you want to go to the rose bowl you have to go through oregon yep okay stanford's had a nice little run but they had to go through oregon washington's had a couple nice runs had to go through oregon okay mm-hmm. and, and so, sometimes they definitely made it through oregon right, right. <laughs> it, it, so, it had to go through oregon you're right here's the thing stanford washington oregon are going to continue to have their claws in southern california and northern california talent Yep. Regardless of where they land, okay, just from a geogra- just geographic from being nearby, yeah. perspective, right? Yep. Here's the other thing. Do you want to tell kids, hey, yeah, you're going to play against Big Ten teams, but you got to hop on a plane six times a year to go play them. Uh, good point. I think when you when you when you think about it from an NF from a from a college from a football standpoint, um. When it comes to the pl- recruiting the players, let's be honest. Everyone can see the writing on the wall, and 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 there's going to be two, maybe three. The Big Twelve might be the the, the like the sub B, you know, next the, right. the little the little little brother. But there's mm-hmm. going to be the SEC, the Big Ten, and and maybe the Big Twelve at the end when all the dust clears. We all know that. Yep, probably. The, the, I mean, the I don't know. The, the Big mean, Ten has a Fox huge media deal, and the and the SEC has the ESPN huge media deal. And if you want to be drafted in the NFL draft, you got to get noticed. So you want to play for a team in one of those conferences. Yep. And I think that's really what goes into those players' thoughts and, and, and into their head. You know, when I when you're recruiting, hey, you're going to come play for a big, big, you know, big conference. You know, you don't want to go play for the Idaho Vandals. You want to go play for, you know, at least Wazoo Cougars. They're on. They're on. They're on national television. You're going to get a lot. You're going right. to get noticed a lot right. more than if you played in the Kibbe Dome down the street. You know, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, that's a huge, huge recruiting factor right there. So I think it's it's. It's a matter of, uh, you know, you, these players, I think, I think what's happening is these schools are thinking with their wallets and they're, they, they don't care. Um, and the other, the other wrinkle we're not, we haven't really talked about is the NIL and the, the dark deals and the wild west that is players being paid to go to wherever they want. Uh, today in the news, there's a, the Alabama backup wide receiver running back or anything who's third string running back and he opted out for covid yeah but alabama won the national championship of the year and because he was part of the program he got a rings he pawned the rings because he transferred to usc or something oh, like that or texas bullshit uh he's he's allowed to do that now he's gonna he got like right. 60 he got like 60 grand for him oh my uh, gosh 
and uh and and so he's he's allowed to do they're his rings you can do whatever he wants yeah right um and so we're we're entering the, we're entering that new level there where the players are going to start to get paid there might be a future ahead here where there'll be players who have been paid by boosters out the back door where they get drafted number 1 overall in the NFL draft after playing quarterback for say Notre Dame uh, for four years or three years or whatever, and they have to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. That may that may be a real reality. Oh, you're right. Not too far in the future. Think about it's all that. about money. Yep. Yeah. And and the, the the smaller sports that don't make money don't get a voice. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate. Uh, yep. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, we're we're running on on time here, but I, I'm I'm curious. Real quick, I want to I want to hear what do you think is going to happen to UW? Uh, where do you think they're? What do you think they're going to wind up? Are they going to take the Big Twelve potential talk that they're having right now? Do you think they're going to stay with the Big Pac twelve? Do you think they're going to work their way into the Big Ten, or should they call the SEC up and say, "Hey, you know what? Everyone else is saying screw <laughs> geography. Why don't we really? Why don't Why don't we from the Pacific Northwest? Let's join the Southeast Conference." <laughs> What do you guys think? <laughs> They're staying I mean, on the way. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to. No, I want to hear your thoughts. I'll be yeah, quick about it. it Freaking sorry. Pardon my language, but uh, you know, I'm not a UW fan, but I, I honestly see them trying to stay in the, in the pack 12 t- or whatever, if, if they downsize, whatever, but I think they'll stay here. I don't, I really don't think they're going to go sec or big 12. I, there's too much history out here. I think they're going to stay here. Well, what would that Pac-12 look like, though? Would they be? Would they harvest the Mountain West? Uh, yeah, or, or the WAC. Yeah. The, the WAC doesn't really the, doesn't exist in football anymore. No, but yeah, get BYU. Get I mean, whoever BYU is joining, joining the Big 12. Big Twelve this year. Oh, they are joining the Big Twelve. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that. But the San Diego State, whomever, I, I really think they can revise the conference. I think, somehow. I, I think San Diego State. Um, I think. If if <laughs> here here's what I'd like to see the Pac-12 do if they decide to make a go of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see them recruit San Diego State and San Diego State to approach whoever runs SoFi Stadium. Okay. And say we'd like to play our football games at SoFi Stadium, or at least some of them, right? Yeah. Yep. That's a great idea. Interesting. Yeah. For those who don't know, it, SoFi Stadium it, is the is the, the new stadium where the Rams and the Chargers yeah, play in the LA. NFL. It's the who who is it? The Rams and the um, Chargers. The Chargers play there, right? This so is the vastly superior a, team that is the Chargers. Yeah, and then it's more um, biased. <laughs> allegedly, Anyways. an NFL franchise, the Chargers. Um, uh, they have the better quarterback. Anyways, yeah, move on. <laughs> anyway. I'm just more of a uh, talking about their history. They yeah. Yeah. had a bad, oh, yeah. no, I know. a bad run of it. Um, <laughs> though I will say that there's nothing more fun than watching the old uh, Air Coriel uh, offenses of the, of the Chargers back in the, the absolutely. Heyday. Yep, that was that was some fun football to watch. Yep. Um, but I mean, like i I think the pack I think the Pac-12 should make this as painful as possible for the LA schools. Okay. So, so okay. So we have two advocates for staying in the Pac-12. And, no, no. And- I, I'm not saying stay. I'm just saying, like, if you stay, 
Okay, Don't just no, but I'm stay, asking. Just stay. Okay, but the question stay was. Stay with a plan. Stay with a. This is going to be viable because X. Okay. But this my question was, what do you think happens? I don't know. I, I actually kind of like your idea of calling up the SEC Why and not? saying, <laughs> like, because well, well, the Big I, Ten has shown they're kind of hesitant to add UW and, and Oregon. Why don't UW and Oregon pair together and call the SEC and say, hey, look, if the Big Ten actually, doesn't I, want us, we'll come play for you. I'd actually grab, try to grab Stanford. Oh, you grab Stanford too. too. I actually would try to grab Stanford and Cal and say, look, here's the deal. We'll like, you, you can do, we can do a West coast thing here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we want these, whatever. Right. But, but I mean, if you, if you can say, Hey, we're bringing the Bay area, Portland and Seattle, like media markets, that's not insignificant. Plus Nike money. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. honestly. Yep. Well, not um, just Nike money, but, like, access to, like, okay, so, like, the UW does not have a, a Bill Gates or a, a Jeff Bezos or anyone in their corner, right, at yep. this point. But other than the Bay Area, like, there's a crap ton of money in Seattle. A huge amount uh, of money. No, they're, they're, the, the media, of money. having access to the that, Seattle area is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and 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 you don't think that the the SEC would like to get their their hooks into that area in a I more think the, in depth? Yeah, I think the two way? single most uh, attractive uh, programs that are you know in in doubt right now are is Oregon and UW. Uh, yeah. Stanford is is a is a close third. Well, see, um, Stanford. I don't think Cal the self- has the attraction. No, no, no. So no. here's the, here's the attraction of of Cal. Cal is Vanderbilt. But so is Stanford. So is Stan- no, yeah. no, no, Stanford. No, 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 no. Stanford in football is is historically kind of mediocre. Okay, they have their periods of really good, good high yeah. high level football, and then they have crappy periods. Same thing with basketball. Okay, but on every other sport, all the Olympic sports, all the non revenue sports, baseball, mm. they are very good, oh, yeah. very yeah. competitive. Yeah. And, and, and Cal is not as good as Stanford, but Cal and Stanford really are a pair in a lot of ways. Like um, the SEC has built its brand on tradition and rivalries. And there is not a deeper, I mean, you cannot say that the Stanford Cal rivalry does not measure up to the SEC rivalries that are there. You no, can't. Absolutely does. There is there is pure unadulterated West Coast hate, and it's weird, and it's fruity or or tree huggery or whatever you want to call it, but it's a real deep rivalry. Man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and um, it goes back that, to like seven or something crazy. Yeah, right. That has an appeal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the best here, case here, scenario for here's the thing that i think is that uw and oregon get together as a pair yeah and they basically say whatever we do we're going to work together and we want to we want to be protagonists in this yeah not reactionary to react to it we want to make our move to do x right so anyway that's my that's my thought on on what i think happens 
here's the other, my other reason. I, I think that Phil Knight's a really smart guy um, from a from a marketing and a branding perspective, right? I think Chris Peterson, who has the ear of both the president and the AD at UW, as well as the board of trustees, is very smart when it comes to the mm. to the to the world of college football. As far as what do you do strategically? Where should you go? Right. Well, he also has intimate knowledge of not being in the in club. Mm-hmm. And it's, you don't, as Oregon and Washington know, they're, they're going to find out if they don't know it already. You don't want to be in the not, you know, in the have nots. Mm-hmm. You don't, mm-hmm. because making the jump up to the haves almost never happens. And once you fall behind, you'll never catch up again. Right. So, like Boise State could never jump, make the jump to a major conference. And they've been trying for 20 years. And Chris Peterson ran them with amazing records again and again and again and again. And they couldn't oh, even and they beat, and they beat, they beat they crushed the Oklahoma. They, yeah. you know, they, they did all kinds they of amazing Texas, things. They beat Oklahoma. Like they won bowl games against the big boys. And, you know, yeah, the all time winning is quarterback in, in, in college history is Kellen Moore uh, from Boise state current uh, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. But you know that you if you if you if you hold out too long, I, I agree that Oregon and Washington should buy their time and make a make a make a make a you know don't don't be forced by the the situation. Make a make a proper assessment and and do the smart thing. But at the same time, they can't afford to be left out. They've got to be real careful because if they get left behind, they lose all the recruits, they lose all the momentum, they become second class schools uh, in terms of football at least. And if you get left behind there, you might as well shut down and 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 demote yourself down to the uh, to the Big Sky Conference and, and develop a rivalry with Eastern Washington. I mean, yeah, I mean, really, you're not, you're never gonna, you're never gonna be here's that I, national I will level say again. This other thing. Um, just one other, just a, one another thought on the on the the um, the actually the appeal to the SEC, which I think you might have just shot out there as a lark. But um, I thought it was a good. I thought it'd be a good negotiating tactic with the Big Ten. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe, but but I mean, honestly, like Husky Stadium, seventy plus thousand people. Autzen beautiful Stadium, location. I mean, and and Autzen Stadium, as far as like an intimate it's it's kind of like the volunteers field what like the tennessee like where the, the the fans are right on top of you i mean like talk about a, an environment when that place is hopping like that that is exactly what the sec wants is that high intensity um you know that high intensity uh we hate you vibe right <laughs> yeah and I mean, and, and honestly, like an Oregon, Oregon and Washington, Washington have that 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 hate for each other, that rivalry that they would mm-hmm. bring in immediately, you know. Like honestly, like a hey, hey, Brian, like I I know that like we got some history there with Wazoo and, and UW, but it's yeah. not. It's been too lopsided for too long, basically. Well said. Um, I, and I'm and I'm talking like the last twenty five years specifically. Like it's just, um, since what's his bucket price left. Yeah. Uh, Wazoo just has never like regained that shine really. Like as far as like it had Mike Leach, which is a shiny object, but not like an effective shiny object. Right. Oh, I agree. The fucking, sorry, pardon my language. But the, <laughs> the coaches that took over ran, pretty much ran that program into the ground and Leach did what he could, but yep, I agreed. 
Anyway, um, no, I, really, I think we're real, real quick before we ended up. You, you mentioned Stanford, California, but I, you got to throw Arizona, Arizona State in there too. I mean, I, I, they, their football programs are so so, but they have ba- baseball, college, and all their other programs are pretty. Oh yeah. I mean, like, yeah, other. I mean, Arizona schools are great at all the other sports. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just not. Um, you mean you don't want to leave Willie Bloomquist behind? <laughs> Who's coaching the ASU baseball squad now? Uh, right. <laughs> um, anyways, I just had to throw that two cents in. Um, we always, obviously, we always like to end the program on a positive note with some shout outs. Since Matthew Page always gives me crap because I always have many of them, I do actually have oh, four, go for four, it. I have four or five shout outs. So I'm going to start tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out to my buddy Dave. His, daughter's magnolia major softball team is going to state so props to you and hope you guys make it to regionals and play on espn shout out to you rich i have said this before but somebody needs to listen to this when you're on because you're a freaking great sounders a- analyst and they need to thanks get you on really do um shout out to my eldest child jay who just got accepted to rutgers university oh wow yeah he'll be attending there in the fall that's great yeah sweet we are very happy for him uh shout out to you matthew page you are i won't mention what age but it's your birthday next week so happy birthday to you it's a big one and last but not least my beautiful wonderful wife who's not standing here like you always say matthew page oh no she Um, is she's just off camera right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, this Saturday is our 28th anniversary. We're going away to Astoria, Oregon for the weekend. I love you, honey. Uh, Congratulations. About, thank you. Matthew Page, you're up next. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my my wonderful parents. Uh, I know I did it last week, uh, but I, I'm doing it again. They helped me out in a time of need recently and, and just showed me how lucky I am to have them. And uh, I really appreciate them. All right, right on. Rich, to you. Um, I'm going to give a is the funniest shout out. Um, I have to give a shout out to um, our, uh, our absent uh, host uh, Abraham Deweese, because um, twenty some odd years ago, um, when I was uh, on the other side of the Pacific Ocean, he wrote me a letter, and basically a whole letter, a whole letter was Baldur's Gate is awesome. Baldur's Gate is awesome. Baldur's Gate is awesome. Um, and so when I got back from uh, the Far East, um, I loaded up this game called Baldur's Gate and it was awesome. And oh yeah, it was. Um, the past two weeks, I've actually been able to uh, share that game with my children. Oh, we're nice. now of, of an age that they can appreciate Dungeons and Dragons and appreciate adventuring and all the flexibility and, and cool stuff of an open world. And so to see them blossom and enjoy something that I enjoy so much is just awesome. And I hate to give credit to Abe, but I'm going to, um, <laughs> uh, especially since he's not here. And so, um, yeah, shout out to him and makes it uh, easier that he's not to here. my kids because uh, they're pretty awesome. That's awesome. Do you That's have, wonderful. would you care to share your social media page, your Twitter page? Cause I really oh, want yeah. somebody um, to find I'm, you. I, I have, uh, 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 I tweet sometimes about sports. It's, uh, it's at, uh, S S U underscore, uh, Richard M. And, um, yeah, uh, some, some sounders, soccer, other, other sports, um, 
and, uh, and other, you know, things that are important in our world. So right on Seattle Sounders, please listen. This guy's amazing. So you need to reach out to him. Um, thank you, Rich, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Matthew Page, sure. for joining us as well. Uh, please follow us on social media. We are pretty likable at seattlesportsunion.com. You can find us on Twitter at salesportunion. You can find it. We have a Facebook page. So please reach out to us. Uh, next week, our guest will be Stephanie Morell, the general manager of the Bellingham Bells, a summer college league up here in the Northwest. Have a great night, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.